0: hello and welcome to mr president from otrgold.com this episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors
2: The law specifically covers encouraging or even countenancing violation of our treaties and neutrality. It is the duty of all good citizens to prevent such violation, and I intend to enforce the laws without exception. I advise all zealots to stay well within the law. <laughs>
3: starring Edward Arnold. <laughs> Mr. President, the man in the White House, the man chosen by his fellow citizens as our first citizen. We invite you now to become better acquainted with one of America's greatest men. These are transcribed stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting, but little-known events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Our Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment.
0: Perhaps you don't believe in the kind of ghosts that are supposed to haunt houses... But there are other kinds. There are ghosts of words once spoken, ideas once held, personalities once present. Take, for instance, a tour of our nation's capital. Here, you think, Lincoln once stood as he pondered the problems of a country at war. Even as you look, your fancy conjures up the picture of that tall, gaunt figure stooped in thought. There, you muse, sat Washington, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, discussing the future of the newborn nation. And as imagination takes hold, the powdered wigs and lace cuffs seem more real than reality itself. These are the memories, the all-pervasive ghosts of Washington. But for those of us who are unable to visit the Capitol, the same warm familiarity with the heroes of America's past is possible through the program Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. So listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Mm-hmm.
2: New states had been added to the Union, and new territories acquired. But as the incoming president, it seemed to me our national expansion had gone far enough for the time being. A zealous minority strongly disagreed with me, and they had money and power. My vice president was among them. My secretary of state, however, was just as alarmed at the growing expansionist activities as I was. The uh, situation is very serious, Mr. President. I know the role of battle drums too well not to shudder when I hear them. Well, we've grown
4: mighty fast, and there's a need for new markets.
1: Look what this journal says.
4: Yes,
2: I know it by heart, believe me.
1: It says the acquisition of Cuba is inevitable. Won't Spain have something to say about
2: that? Mm, Spain would have some very eloquent things to say about it if we were ever foolish enough to approve of a military expedition.
1: But this journal says it belongs to us by right of geography, if nothing else.
2: Oh, that's poppycock, and anyone with half an eye could see it.
1: Maybe, but coming so closely after that misunderstanding with England over Canada, it must make us look pretty greedy to the rest of the world.
2: Yes, it must, and it's getting worse instead of better.
1: Where is it all going to end?
2: No one knows the answer to that, Margaret. As long as everyone realizes the danger of entangling us in a war, no real damage will be done. But otherwise, I dread to think of the future. No, Mr. Vice President, I can't agree with you. But, Mr. President, you can't stand against the inevitable. No one has yet convinced me this grabbing of other people's territory is inevitable. It isn't grabbing other people's territory. It's merely asserting our right to what was meant for us from the beginning. I'm afraid I'm not godlike enough to say what was and what wasn't meant for us. Would you like some fruit? Well, I don't mind. Thank you. Well, try the cherries. They're delicious. Mmm. They are, sir. So they are. Uh, will you admit this country could do more for the people of Cuba than Spain has been doing? I don't even admit that your question is a proper one. But her ties with Spain are unnatural. Distance alone would make them so. Aside from their exploitation and misery under Spanish rule, don't they deserve their freedom? My definition of the word freedom, sir, is an annexation by the United States. There's important money behind this movement, as well as a respectable portion of the national press. You'll change your tune, I think, when you realize their power. That may be. I was put here, as you say, to execute the will of the people. And on that same day and on that same ballot, you were put here to do the same. You may be the one to change your tune when you realize where the real power always lies with the majority. <laughs> I hate these dress up affairs. Oh, now I've lost my collar button.
1: It's under one of the far corners of the chiffonier, in whichever shadow's darkest.
2: And well, how on earth can
1: you know that? Experience. That's where your collar button always rolls when you're in a hurry. Oh, I'm
2: getting too old for this kind of exercise.
1: Don't you want a candle?
2: No, I can tell by touch whether it's under here. Uh, it's not there. Uh, isn't it? A... Hey, here we are. <laughs> Oh, my back. I'll never be the same.
1: It's always this way when you're in a hurry.
2: I'll tell you a secret. I am personally not in the least bit of a hurry to go to this dinner for the diplomatic corps. In fact, I'd rather dread it.
1: Are they as stuffy as all that?
2: No, it isn't that. But with all these saber-rattlings in the journals about the destiny of Cuba being intertwined with ours, well, I hate to face the minister from Spain, that's all. (laughs) Gentlemen, shall we join the ladies? Hello, Mr. President. Yes, John, what can I do for you?
4: I promised the Spanish minister I'd ask you to stay behind for a private word with him.
2: Oh, my, I was afraid
4: of this. Now, you'll be more than afraid when he tells you his news, sir.
2: You sound ominous.
4: So is his news, as an experienced military man, you'll be the first to recognize the implications.
2: As bad as all that, is it? Of course I'll speak with him. Uh, pray forgive me, gentlemen. I want a private word with your colleague from Spain.
4: Of course, sir. If you please, senor. The president will stay behind
2: with you. Gracias, senor. Well, senor... I'm afraid these are difficult days for both of us.
3: That is so, Senor Presidente. Unless your government is able to take the necessary steps, the difficulty will become, what is your word, uh, incapable
2: of solution. The Secretary of State tells me you have some rather grim news. Grim is the correct word, I assure you. Suppose we sit down and you tell me about it. Yeah,
3: gracias. Senor Presidente. Information has come to my government concerning a certain Jose Jesus Calderon, if that is his real name. Yes? This Calderon, he is what you call an adventurer. Our information is that he was born in Venezuela, was instrumental in a revolution in Mexico, and is now an exile from Cuba for the same revolutionary tendencies.
2: Where is this uh, Calderon now? That is precisely
3: my point, sir. He is in this country in New Orleans, we believe. He has been given the reins of leadership in this expansionist movement certain of your countrymen
2: so ardently believing. What precisely do you mean when you say he's been given the reins of leadership?
3: With the expansionist group in this country supplying the ships, the ammunition, the equipment, and, of course, the recruits to their newspaper propaganda, Calderon will proclaim himself the head of an emancipation movement and try to seize the Cuban government.
2: That's a shattering statement to make, senor.
3: It is a shattering concept, senor.
2: You can vouch absolutely for the accuracy of this information? Naturally, we have
3: checked it and rechecked it. It is true. I am only unsure of the American port in which Caderon has made his headquarters.
2: I appreciate your giving me this knowledge in time to prevent this plan from becoming a fact, senor. Then you will so prevent it? If it's humanly possible, yes. I'll take the necessary steps immediately. (laughs) Yes, come in. You sent for me, Mr. President? Uh, Yes, John, and I've sent for the Attorney General, too. On the
4: Cuban matter?
2: Exactly. If the Spanish Minister is correct, and I think he is, we've got to act with the greatest speed. I'm going to instruct Attorney General Johnson to issue orders to all district attorneys, especially those in the southwest and Gulf ports, to keep a sharp eye out for all activity regarding Cuban refugees in this country. An expedition the size Calderon will need certainly can't be kept a secret. Well, sir, I expect you to change your tune any day now on the Cuban question. Mr. Vice President, there wasn't any Cuban question till you fellow stud one, up. There's one now, and that's a fact. I understand a strong force of volunteers is ready to execute the plan. Most of them from the Middle West, oddly enough. You mean the group now getting ready to sail from New Orleans, don't you? The expedition that plans to rendezvous at Round Island. Why, how did you... It's my business to know, sir. Your expansionist group was already laying plans for a second expedition. But if you have any influence over them, as I have good reason to believe you do, you'll inform them that it would be deadly folly for the Round Island expedition to set sail. (laughs) Still awake, Margaret?
5: That's you, dear.
1: Come in.
2: Well, I didn't want to disturb you. You
1: didn't? I only just this minute got into bed. Turn up the gas there so I can see you. Oh,
2: well. Yeah. How's that? And how did your family supper go?
1: Oh, fine, as usual. There's nothing like your own family and your own friends to make an evening pass quickly.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: We all missed you, dear.
2: Oh, I miss being there, believe me. But this movement to occupy Cuba and overthrow its government in the name of emancipation has reached a point of real danger.
1: The journals keep drawing comparisons with Texas. The
2: comparison is invidious. The Republic of Texas fought and fought valiantly against what it considered oppression. Furthermore, the territory of Texas had been settled and worked by Americans brought up to take certain freedoms for granted. It was a case of one branch of the family rejoining the main body. No such thing is true of Cuba. The Calderon expedition was illegal, and his backers knew it.
1: What can be done to prevent such raiding parties in the future?
2: Well, several things. The first is the reason I had to miss supper with you tonight. This proclamation I've been drafting.
1: Proclamation?
2: Yes. It's rough, but it says what it means. We had hereby proclaimed that any armed expedition against a friendly nation is illegal and criminal. It endangers the peace and compromises the honor of this country. The heritage of our forefathers is not one of piracy and coercion, nor shall it be allowed to be contaminated by such tactics. The freedom for which we fought and for which we live does not include the freedom to force our laws on our government or even our protection on those in any other country. To any nation at any time we shall always give friendly ear to any plea for help in obtaining liberation and independence if such help is the will of the majority of the American people. But at no time must we allow any of our citizens to force themselves and our flag upon the peoples of any nation friendly to us. Such actions defeat the very meaning of freedom. Such actions become tyranny, and that word and that practice will never be tolerated in the United States of America. <laughs>
3: In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
0: It is said that no man is a hero to his contemporaries. And that has also been true of several of our presidents. Now, thanks to the Mr. President program, we see many of our chief executives in a clearer light. We understand something of their personal problems. President Grant, for instance, has taken a lot of criticism. The not-too-well-known facts explain his actions. Grover Cleveland has never been cited as a great national hero. But on at least one occasion, he showed unusual courage and didn't talk about it. Many books have been written about Lincoln. But you'll hear stories on Mr. President that have never before been dramatized. The Mr. President research staff is responsible for this material. Yes, it's these little-known stories and the distinguished performance of motion picture star Edward Arnold, who plays the principal role that make the Mr. President program a highly listenable series. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
2: Well, have you figured out yet who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know. The effect of my proclamation against armed raiding parties in friendly nations helped arouse the non-expansionist forces to the gravity of the situation. But the momentum of the movement to annex Cuba had achieved such force that its backers were quickly able to approach their objective from another angle. My vice president had no hesitation in telling the Secretary of State and myself just what that angle was.
4: Mr. Vice President,
2: do you realize
4: the enormity of what you're saying? I do, Mr.
2: Secretary. Mr. Secretary. I also realize it's the will of the people of this country. Do you plan to have this new enterprise led by General Calderon? I believe he honors himself with that rank. As to that, I haven't yet been informed, Mr. President. It's clever. I'll have
4: to grant you that. More important, it's feasible. It'll work. Cuba will be under our flag within a month. Are you at liberty to say how large your forces will be,
2: Mr. Vice President? I really have no accurate idea because so many keep joining every day. Voluntarily, mind you. Well, give us an estimate. Oh, somewhere between six and ten thousand men. (laughs) Six and ten thousand. And more. As I say, joining every day. And you plan to equip each of them with a rifle and call them emigrants going to a new land to settle down? That's right. After all, any settler in a strange land is entitled to a rifle. It's in direct defiance of my proclamation. Had you thought of that? Uh, We don't believe it is, with all due respect, sir. You proclaimed it illegal to embark an armed force against a friendly nation. These men are emigrants, not an armed force. It's fomenting revolution. It's against international law. Plainly, you're a soldier, another lawyer, Mr. President. Your Attorney General will confirm the legality of what my friends have planned. That may be. But before I consult with him, I'll confirm this to you right now. These emigration ships, as you call them, will be overtaken, as was the last expedition. But this time, the leaders will stand trial.
1: Well, I think we better go back now. Bet he'll be wondering what's happened to us.
2: And well, I've got to see Reverdy e. Johnson at 5 30. Whoa, Ginger. Whoa. Whoa. Don't turn around now, girl.
1: Reverdy e. Johnson? Mm
2: hmm.
1: You've been seeing a good deal of your attorney general lately.
2: Well, the expansionists have raised a good deal of legal troubles for us.
5: Then
1: you're going through with it. You're actually going to put the leaders of that Cuban expedition on trial?
2: I certainly am. We've got to show we mean business.
1: Well course, you know more about these things than I ever will. But it seems to me that too many people are in favor of such expeditions for the country to approve of such a trial.
2: You sound like my vice president. That's almost word for word what he's been telling me.
1: Well, what I mean is I don't think that public opinion would be in favor of sending them
2: to prison. That's one of the things the trial will tell me. I'm not at all sure any of them will be convicted.
1: Well, then why go through with it?
2: Because it's time the air was cleared. It's time I knew very definitely exactly what this public opinion you speak of really is. This trial will bring the issues into the light of day.
3: In the opinion of Her Majesty's government, Senor Presidente, the trial you remind me of was a mere formality. No one expected any conviction to begin with.
2: Let me remind the ambassador that he speaks of internal American affairs, of a matter outside his jurisdiction. Gracias, senor. We will speak no more of this mockery of justice. Now, senor... In
3: fact, I would not be here at all if it were not that your secretary of state
2: is out of the city. The ambassador's message requesting an immediate interview stated that he had new developments to report.
3: Si, senor presidente, I have indeed. It concerns the fate of some 52 of your countrymen. Oh, yes? Yes. It seems this group left the last expedition of emigrants before it reached Cuba. They went ashore at Contoy Island. The authorities in Havana discovered them and I am instructed to inform your government that these Americans will be charged with piracy.
2: The penalty for that charge, if they are found guilty, is death. See, I will so inform the Congress and the State Department, but let me remind the ambassador and his government that the eyes of this country will be focused on what happens. If they see mistreatment and injustice, let Her Majesty's government realize that what up till now has only been talk may overnight become reality.
1: to bed, dear. It's after two o'clock.
2: I didn't know I was keeping you awake, Margaret. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I've been sleeping. But you can't sit there staring into the dark all night.
2: It's those 52 Americans on trial in Havana. I can't decide what to do about them.
1: Isn't that up to the Spanish
5: court?
2: That's just it. They went against both the spirit and the letter of my proclamation. What they intended may well be legally defined as piracy, which means they'd hang.
1: They wouldn't dare do that.
2: Oh, yes, they would. In fact, there's every probability they will, unless... Unless what? That's what I can't make up my mind about. Should I intercede for them, or shouldn't I? Uh,
1: It's hard to think of Americans being tried for their lives by another country.
2: It certainly is. The point is, I don't think they deserve to hang.
1: Then doesn't that answer your question?
2: Yes, by George, it does. It certainly does, Margaret. The thing to remember is that whatever else these 52 men are... They're first of all Americans.
1: That's how most people look at it.
2: And they're right. That's how I'm going to look at it, too. I'll tell the Spanish minister the first thing tomorrow. I'm glad you woke up, (laughs) dearest. You helped me. It is my fervent hope that Her Majesty's government and my own will continue to enjoy the friendliest of relations. It's only to further that wish that I suggest to the ambassador that he makes certain Her Majesty's government realizes the seriousness of this nation's concern over what happens to our 52 countrymen.
3: It is my latest information that in all probability they will be hanged as
2: pirates. In that case, let the ambassador recall my previous warning once more. Such a decision would in all likelihood lead to a declaration of war. Surely the Senor president is not serious. Let us hope the courts of Havana don't make it necessary for the ambassador to learn how serious I am.
3: But these men, they are guilty. Even under the terms of the Presidente's own proclamation, they are guilty.
2: Their guilt will be considered a matter for their own people to decide. But surely for 52 men, no nation would resort to war. Again, I must correct the ambassador. The United States will go to war if it considers an injustice has been inflicted on even one of its citizens. Is it an injustice for a country to uphold its laws? The ambassador's question is merely talking around the point. I will fall into no such trap. Does the Senor president
3: realize that Her Majesty's government takes a view
2: fully as serious toward the activities of these men as his own government does? The has... ambassador's question pleases me. If Her Majesty's government looks on the matter with the same gravity we do, it will realize the advisability of tempering the law with leniency. The
3: senior president's statement is an unofficial suggestion, of course. On the contrary, sir.
2: It is made by the president of the United States on behalf of 52 of his countrymen. It is as official as I can make it. By the time the ambassador returns to his quarters, I hope for the purpose of relaying the suggestion to Her Majesty's government... The suggestion will be a request in writing from the Department of State. (laughs) Careful now, John. You've got a bite.
4: Feels like a big one, too. Play your line out a little. He certainly weighs something. Almost in now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: An old boot Nothing but an old boot Oh, cheer up, John Maybe you'll find a fish that wouldn't have told it (laughs) All that work And for nothing I should think a Secretary of State should be used to that by now
4: (laughs) You're right on that score Which reminds me to congratulate you on that Cuban
2: affair The 52 Americans who were on trial there, you mean, huh? (sighs) I simply reminded myself with the help of my wife that they were first of all American.
4: Yes, and you must have made the reminder to the Spanish government good and strong.
2: As strong as I was able to. If I hadn't, if the Cuban government had found them guilty and condemned them to death, this country would be at war with Spain right this minute. Very probably. After all, what were these men guilty of? They left the expedition before it reached Havana. The leaders of their party were captured and tried. They were found not guilty. Therefore, by what right could another court find these... The fifty-two non participants guilty of the charge their leaders were acquitted of. And that's the question that
4: led to the release of forty-nine of them. Now I suppose they had to had to find the other three guilty as a matter of saving faith.
2: Undoubtedly. But nothing must be allowed to happen to those three, John. Their sentence has got to be commuted, and you and I have to see that it is. And I'll so inform the minister from Spain. He's a kindly man, and his queen is friendly to this country. There should be no real difficulty, especially in the light of the release of 49 of them. And well, I'll keep you informed of what happens. Make them realize that what you're saying is one of the fundamental concepts of this country. Every one of us must always stand behind every other American in matters of this sort. That's one of the meanings of America. It is neither our right nor our wish to encroach on the rights of the territory of any other nation, but it is our right, our wish, and our determination to see that no American in any part of the world at any time is abused or mistreated. One single man in one dark cell means the light of liberty is extinguished until his dungeon is opened. That means that when necessary, the many must stand by even one American. Let the world realize that this is what is meant by the statement, we the people of the United States of America. you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment.
0: Behind the pose assumed for cameras, presidents are human, too. And you'll get a greater understanding of the men who have lived in our nation's White House when you hear Edward Arnold starring in Mr. President. The Mr. President program is based on little-known stories of the man America has known as president. You'll hear the intimate details that were bypassed in epic-making headlines. Mr. President is sometimes dramatic, sometimes tragic, but always sympathetic. It's a program that removes the pedestal from our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, human beings with great understanding beneath their political veneer. So join us when we present Mr. President with Edward Arnold playing the title role every Wednesday evening over most of these ABC stations. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. The cherries
1: are certainly good this year.
2: Will you have some more, Margaret?
1: I don't mind if I do.
2: There's plenty of cold milk here, too.
1: The journals say Congress has set aside a fund to build a monument to General Washington.
2: Yes, I'm dedicating the cornerstone on the 4th of July.
1: I think General Washington would have admired the way you managed that Cuban question.
2: Thank you, my dear. But the future of Cuba is very far from settled, just as the future of slavery is in our own country. It's my hope they can both be solved without warfare, but my fear in both cases is that that will be impossible.
1: Well, whatever happens, Zachary Taylor, your part in it will
5: always be admired. Be
2: with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Mr. President, produced
3: and directed by Ted Cole, was created by Robert G. Jennings and written by Bernard Dugan. Heard in the cast were Myra Marsh as Mark Moore, Francis Yuri as John Trayton, and your narrator Ted DiCorsia as the Spanish ambassador. Our story was based on incidents in the life of President Zachary Taylor.
0: sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This program came to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network.